So, Kate, what does your creative process look like? Well, saying I have a creative process kind of implies a lot of things that are unfortunately not in place in my life. Like, I don't have a set-aside time for creative work or even just kind of large chunks of unstructured time. And I guess that's what I think about when I think about the times that I've been the most creative. They've been the times when my mind's wandered and I haven't had this, like, structured time when I've had kind of no particular agenda. And it's usually when the ideas or, like, random trains of thought come. And many times it's when I'm walking and I'm not, I don't happen to be listening to music or a podcast or, you know, like the classic, all the great ideas in the shower or for me, uh, yoga class or Shavasana in yoga class. I love Shavasana. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, How about you? How do you work when you try to be creative? Yeah, honestly, most of the time it's a complete mess. Uh, Like you, I am not creative when I'm sitting at my desk and staring at a screen. I get a lot of my best ideas from running in the shower, daydreaming on my commute home, or talking to people. But in our field, sometimes we have deadlines where we have to produce those creative work. And that's where everything just gets super messy. Like I'll stare at my notebook on my screen for hours on end. If I'm at home, I'll have to move from the couch to the desk or, you know, if I'm, I've been sitting at my desk and I'll move to the couch and usually there's a lot of snacks and walking involved because when there's deadlines and creative work, for me, that leads to stress and I need something to kind of ground me and calm myself down so that I can actually be creative. Yeah, I think like the other thing, too, is we're both kind of talking about being creative by ourselves, like it's a solitary activity. And I think especially when there's deadlines involved or there's work, sometimes it helps to like break out and have somebody to bounce ideas off of or brainstorm around with it. And like for in our line of work for our for my job, that's usually when I come up with the best ideas. Like I'm thinking about a story, something along this, and then I get together with all some of the smart people that we work with and it morphs into something even better than I could come up with on my own. But yeah, I think the kind of the common theme that between what we're both saying is that it's hard to force yourself to be creative because creativity doesn't feel like something that we have control over. It seems like it's kind of the more you try to be creative, the more your mind goes blank. Welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we try to figure out how to work smarter instead of harder. I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor Anissa Purbasari Horton. And I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. This week we're talking about creativity and productivity. Is one the enemy of the other? Can they coexist? Can you use one to improve the other? Yeah, so to start, I think it's worth defining what creativity is because there is a little bit of misconception. Even today, when people talk about being in a creative profession, They're usually referring to artists, designers, and writers, and they're not really talking about software engineers and lawyers, even though those professions do require you to exercise creativity. Yeah, I think it ties back into that lofty idea of, like, creativity involves, like, a beret and painting and drinking coffee all night long or something, but there's creative solutions in every single field and industry. But... And it's actually about your brain being able to kind of connect many different thoughts and knowledge that lead to an idea that solves a problem or a piece of work that kind of reflects all of that knowledge. Yeah, and Fast Company contributor and neuroscientist Tara Swart, who was actually on the podcast last week, wrote a great article for us about what happens to our brains when we're creative. So as humans, we all have the capacity to be creative, no matter how analytical and data-centric we are or we think we might be. The thing is... 
Being creative requires us to exercise our default network, which we associate with dreaming and mind wandering. And our control network, which is at the other end of the cognitive spectrum, allows us to execute tasks and do focused work. So they're two different things. Yeah, and that's it's often why like we come up with our, you know, as we were mentioning, like we come up with our best insights when we're not trying to because we're kind of letting our mind run free. And if we steer it towards something, it's not going to work because we're using that control network. And I think it was really interesting to what Tara talked about in that episode, that whole misconception that you're either right brained or left brained and you're either analytical or creative. It's like everybody is everything. Yeah. And that's also why often pushing through that mental brick wall is so exhausting when we're staring at a computer screen. And Tara actually suggested that it might be better if we stop working and do something completely unrelated to the task, like you know, taking a walk or doing something that preferably adds a dose of novelty. So maybe we leave the office and park ourselves in a cafe we've never been in before, or maybe we drink a type of tea we haven't tried. Or maybe as author Manoush Zomorodi wrote in her book, Bored and Brilliant, we just need to sit still with our thoughts without pressuring any sort of outcome. For sure, 100%. And I, I think that makes me think about one of the times in my life that I felt most creative was when I was in college. And part of that is because like everything was a new experience all the time. And to to the point about Manoush's book and the whole Bored and Brilliant project, she actually did a project for that book where she got 20,000 people to tweak their digital behavior in order to induce kind of a little bit of boredom into their lives to see if uh, that mind wandering helped jump their creativity. Yeah, so some of the behavior changes included not having their phone at all times when they're on the move so that they're not tempted to check headlines when they're waiting for the bus or the subway. And another one was to delete their most used app And some participants also took what she called a fake-cation. So, for example, they might let their families know that they're taking half of Sunday to do their personal project, or they let their coworkers know that between 10 to 10.20 a.m., they don't want to be disturbed because they want to let their ideas incubate in their mind. Yeah, I think there's so much value in that, like, letting yourself be bored. And that was kind of her whole point was that now in our modern lives, like, we, we never have to be bored if we don't want to. And... You know, as I've mentioned, I know several times in the show, I don't have a smartphone. So by default, I kind of have those built in moments for boredom and mind wandering. I think like, yeah, these things seem kind of obvious, but many people are still convinced that they're just not creative people. And they they have trouble actually like introducing any kind of practices that would lend themselves to, to creative thought. Yeah, and I think it goes back to our obsession with work and productivity. We glorify those who get up at 4 a.m. and work long hours. There's this hustle culture where if you're not doing something productive for a moment, you're somehow not a worthy human being. I mean, okay, that's a bit dramatic, but you get what I mean. Yeah, it's like creative work a lot of times doesn't, it looks like not doing anything. And we have to be doing something all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good place for us to introduce this week's segment. You might want to write this down. How can you improve your creativity when you feel stuck on a problem without sacrificing your productivity? Press pause and get a pen ready because you might want to write this down. Number one, create a state of psychological distance. Just as you come up with great ideas when you're not trying to come up with one, you'd be in a better position to solve your thorny problem when you learn to remove yourself from the problem. So try thinking about it from someone else's perspective. Maybe read about how people tackled similar problems in the past or just switch tasks completely and work on an easier project to give your brain a rest while still completing your to-do list. Number two, schedule your deep work during your most productive hours. That way, when your mind starts to get tired and begins wandering, you can let it without feeling guilty that you're interrupting your flow. 
Meanwhile, schedule your mindless tasks during your least productive hours so that once again, you're still getting things done when your brain needs a break. Three, do something unfamiliar. So sometimes all you need is a jolt of novelty to refresh yourself. So as we've mentioned earlier in the podcast, it doesn't need to be a big scary thing. It could just be talking to that coworker you walk past every day but haven't talked to or ordering a different meal for your lunch. Like routines are great for maintaining habits, but you do need to switch it up a little bit if you want to inspire creativity. This episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People is brought to you by Citrix. We talk a lot in the show about how technology has made our working lives more complicated and distracted, which is why Citrix is working hard to make workplace technology seamless. Citrix digital workspaces have one user experience and log in across devices and networks, adding a little simplicity in a crazy complicated world so you can focus your energy on something bigger. Learn more at citrix.com slash And that's a great place for us to introduce our guest. Scott Barry Kaufman is a psychologist at Barnard College, Columbia, where he studies human potential and intelligence. He was a previous guest on this podcast where he talked about productivity myths with Laura Vanderkam during our live episode at the Fast Company Innovation Festival. And we're excited to have him back to talk about all things creativity and productivity. I should thank you for that. Thanks for the invitation. We'll, we'll, we'll make like special <laughs> chips or something. Like two-time guest on Secrets of the Most Productive People. I love it. We want to start with the definition of creativity because I know that there's a lot of misconception around what it means. What does it actually mean? So, um, you know, I'll give you my definition, but obviously there's no like uh, objective uh commandment from God saying this is what the definition of creativity is, but this is how I like to think about it. Um, I like to think about it as originality and meaningfulness in daily life. And, and I'll explain why I like that definition. So a lot of people think about creativity as tied to like achievement. Like you have to have some sort of publicly recognized, um, like be deemed a creative person or a genie creative genius before you're allowed to like consider yourself a creative person. And I think that's really unfortunate because creativity really happens in those moments in our daily lives. And there's the, there's the moments of where we find meaning in the new. So there's like some sort of original, um, maybe a new interpretation of ourselves. To me, that's a form of creativity. Um, you know, putting out an idea that um, had that surprises everyone and and makes sense to everyone. So, without the meaningfulness part, if it's just original, you tend to find a lot of people like in um, with schizophrenia, for instance, have these elaborate uh, you know thoughts and things, but don't make a lot of sense to a lot of other people. And that wouldn't necessarily classify as creativity in my definition. Um, but if it's just meaningful, um, that's not necessarily creative either because, um, it's, it, it'll be very unsurprising to people what's coming out. So it's that, it's that nexus. So, uh, you know, you hear this a lot, like that some people are just more naturally more creative than others. Is that true? And is there an extent that you can kind of train yourself to be more creative? Yes. And yes. Um, to both those things. So I do think that, you know, we all differ uh, from each other right out of the gate in, in terms of lots of opportunities, um, environmental conditions, as well as genetic potentiality, so to speak, for, for various things in life, like various talents. Like I, you know, like Kobe Bryant was clearly born with more genetic and opportunity potentials for basketball than, than me. Um, so there's definitely um, a germ to truth to the idea that some people just more, more naturally gravitate towards creative thinking and um, and creative motivation. But with that said, um, I have yet to find anyone who isn't capable, uh, if they want to, if they if they're motivated to, um, to 
increase the habits of creativity in their daily lives. So um, I really do view creativity as an everyday life sort of uh, a sort of being thing versus a doing thing. So bringing to the world, bringing into the world um, your your mindfulness, your openness to new experiences, your um, sensitivity um, to 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 new things in your environment, or looking at old things in new ways. There's a whole set of skills and ways of being, so to speak, that I think everyone can absolutely develop. So what what kind of like practical things can somebody do if they want to like force themselves to be more creative or put that into practice? So much of it is questioning and observing and 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 engaging in the world in a, in a certain way and you can just do it like you can m- make this conscious effort that you know like i'm going to wake up tomorrow and i'm going to look at the sun differently than maybe i've ever looked at it before i'm going to look at um i'm going to really try my best to listen to what people are saying and try to connect the dots across these multiple things that are happening in the course of the day. I mean, we, we live on autopilot so much in our daily lives. And Ellen Langer, who has really pioneered a lot of work, she's a researcher at Harvard, on mindfulness, links my, her mindfulness, and she links it very much to creativity, very much to constantly being on the lookout for novel things and new interpretations, like creating new meanings of things. Like we're not growing in our lives if we are just satisfied with who we are. Yeah, and since you've mentioned the, the creative process, um, we'd love to, to move on to that. What are some of the most common misconceptions that you hear when someone talks about the creative process or when you mention the creative process? Oh, well, certainly it's thinking about it as this monolithic thing that there is like putting the word the, you know, before it, like the creative process makes it seem like, well, first of all, there's this um, set, you know, stages that you don't like ever go back to another stage, like a pro- some sort of linear aspect. So that's one common misconception is that there's that creativity, creativity is at all linear. Um, you know, you look at these studies by um, uh, by all the great creators of in the human history. Um, but just take one example, like the painting Guernica by Picasso. Um, Dean Simonton has done this detailed analysis showing that there's hardly any relationship to any particular um, move or any particular thing he added to the canvas and the final product. That And he, he often said that, you know, creativity, um, I often don't know where I'm going till I get there. And you find that's a very common refrain among a lot of creators is that I don't know where I'm going. Like it's like it's an emergent. It's something that's emergent. So you have to like trust in the process, trust that the process of creativity will eventually produce something novel and meaningful. But a big mix- misconception is that there is this like particular set of stages. Um, so you're con- But there are some particular characteristics of the creative process that you go in and out of. Um, so you may, um, have this very, uh, um, this very controlled stage where you have an idea and you really want to focus and you really want to make sure that, um, you, you don't have a lot of distractions and you don't, and your brain isn't wide open to a million ideas because you want to actually realize a vision that you already have. But we may have, we have maybe I'll call it like our shower moments where we, we don't, we want the aha moment, you know, we want, we want our, we want to be relaxed and we want to not, um, and we want to be open to sort of anything that comes, sort of any idea, um, that pops to our head and that, you know, that's a very important stage, um, this divergent stage of creativity. So I'm really glad that you brought up, brought up productivity because that's exactly what we're trying to get at with this episode is 
can creativity and productivity coexist together because they seem like totally different modes of being almost. And there's this kind of an idea of like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going until I get there. Like the creative process, however it, it is, is, is very um, uh, fluid and undefined, but productivity is like get stuff done. Right. How, like how, how can, you, can you be simultaneously creative and productive? Well, let's redefine the word productivity right now um, if, if, if through the lens of, of creativity. Mm-hmm. So it, it has a different meaning, I think, when we think about creativity because you're being productive even if you don't know it. So there's um, – Dean Simonton uh, called it the equal odds rule. The greater the chances you'll eventually produce a masterpiece uh, increases simply by the more that you produce, irrelevant of the quality of what you produce. So you may not feel like you're being productive because you're uh, putting out a lot out there or if you're like a, a, you know, an NBA player and you take a thousand shots in a day and it's not being productive in the sense that it's not like what is it not? It's not winning the game for you. You're still being productive. You know, trial and error through the creativity lens is a form of productivity. Does that make sense? Kind of, but I guess I guess too, it's like the idea that you know, like what Anise and I were talking about earlier, and and what you've got at a lot of like the shower moments and the the mind wandering and the kind of like you're just randomly thinking and daydreaming. Like that looks very opposite of like yeah, trying right. a lot, you know. And that's so like suppose you're viewing uh, productivity as doing. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I guess. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess. I guess so. And so. You know, I, I, I think it's an interesting question. Like, first of all, maybe it gets too in the weeds philosophical. Like, what does productivity mean? Um, so I, I suppose in one sense, if you do have a goal, an explicit goal, and um, you have a explicit pathway to that goal, like we know that this step, that step, that's not creati- That's not the creative process. Um, and, the, and there are a whole set of skills that are actually going to be much more likely for you to just be productive in that sense. So maybe we can actually distinguish different kinds of productivity. Like creative productivity is different than um, I don't know what the what the contrasting word would be, but there's a different form of like like to do list checking off the to do list productivity. We'll just call it. They, they 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 the process does look different, but I wouldn't I don't want to cheapen creative productivity. It it's important in and of itself. Like if your company's goal is you know we want to create like you do have the goal. Um, that, but it's not a well-defined pathway to that goal. The best way of of reaching that goal is 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 through this creative process of constantly shifting back and forth between trying a lot of things and failing and um, and and daydreaming and 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 getting away from um, uh, con- consciously always delivering on the problem. That is a different form of productivity. So everything that we keep saying about creativity seems to me kind of the opposite of how the modern workplace is set up right like we we sit at our desks and sometimes go into conference rooms and have meetings and that's pretty much the extent of it um what and that 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 speaks to a lot of people's jobs are like that if like what can individuals do to kind of train those creative muscles and have those um, mind-wandering creative breakthrough moments when their job makes them do you know be in this kind of very same um, uncreative environment? Oh boy, you know that's a tricky one because one of the key aspects of 
of the, the creative uh, way of being that I'm talking about is nonconformity mm-hmm. and it, like like refusing to participate in the group thing. You know, like <laughs> I mean, that can get you fired, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah. If you don't if you don't show up at your desk, like I'm being creative, guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, I mean, it's so it's so it's a shame. I mean, I I I try to consult and stuff. I try to to help change the culture of of companies the best I can. But let's say you're stuck in this situation. Well, first of all, you might want to ask like maybe this is not the right job for me. Like this is not like allowing me to express my creativity but being like assertive healthy assertiveness to your boss um you know making it clear that like i am the type of person that i do my most creative work um when i can have the time to uh to to daydream about it and and brainstorm on my own and then bring it to the table because the research shows that this group this group uh creative brainstorming process is is not really actually conducive to creativity it's actually much more conducive to creativity when you allow each of your employees to at least um, get a crack at it on their own and bring their own unique perspective to the table unbiased by the perspective of everyone else and then you have this meeting where you have the melding of the minds that could be very helpful but I wish more companies recognize the value of um, of individual sort of uh, perspectives on on a matter, and then and then connecting the dots later, not feeling such a rush to connect all the dots in one uh, initial meeting. Oh, for sure, creative uh, brainstorming sessions where it's like anybody have any ideas, and then there's just right. silence, <laughs> like crickets. Yeah, it's yeah. the extrovert, you know, or yeah. whatever one person. Yeah. But I mean, I think that makes sense, and that that gets back to some of the themes that we've talked about before of like this move towards more flexible work that, you know, letting, letting people work where they work best. You know, some people do work best in an office environment where they, there's a buzz of activity and they like to talk to their coworkers or whatever. And other people are like, Oh my God, I have to be alone and silent and, or at a coffee shop or in a different environment. That is exactly right. I love, and I love that concept of, of, of uh, the flexible workplace. Um, How, how do we like convince everyone in the world to do that um get them all to listen to this podcast yeah. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll share it all yeah, right we have we have done a po- we have done an episode on the four-day work week which is specifically oh, cool. on that yeah okay. so if if the modern workplace is you know not as understanding is there any um and you know you've mentioned being assertive and what individuals can do at work are there anything that they can do outside of work that would make them more creative when they are in the office um you know I think that like outside of work, like choosing your hobbies well or choosing your like like choosing like lots of things or not lots of things can get overwhelmed very easily and there's only so much time in a week, but choosing one or two activities outside of work that are intentionally chosen to challenge you that are that are new, that are something new to you, like really get you outside of your comfort zone, that can just actually just spur the creative attitude and you'll show up to work with that creative attitude at work. Um, a lot of us just just stay in our uh, in our normal habitual ways of doing things. I mean, there's some really cool research showing that you know they had people. It's just as simple as this. Like I don't think we realize just how much um, we can be primed for creativity in little ways. So they had people um, make cereal, but put milk in first, and then put in the uh, the food. Now most of us put in the milk later, right? But just like changing that habitual way of doing things actually increased creative thinking like 10 minutes later on a, on a creativity task. Hmm. Yeah. So, so it's like you don't necessarily have to take up um, painting or learn a new language. You can just like switch up your breakfast and your route to work and your like small things to, yeah. Like spur yeah, there are a bunch some of like, little, yeah. Yeah. Spur some like novelty into your life. Yeah. Exactly. 
I think that's all. I don't yeah. know. Anything. Yeah, I think that's all uh, the questions we have. Thank you. Uh, thanks. Oh, cool. Thanks for talking about creativity with us. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. And thanks again for having me back on. I love y'all. <laughs> I'm going to put milk in my coffee before I pour the coffee from <laughs> now on and that's see what really that does to my easy creativity. Way to do process. it. Yeah. yeah. We've, you know, and I think we've actually written about that before. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Picking up a new hobby when you already have quite a busy life seems really overwhelming. And even picking out, it's like, oh, we should, you know, even if, even doing things like doing something new this weekend can seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So doing little things is like, I like it. It's like baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. But there is, I think there's like, there's two things. Like one, I think there's a lot obviously to be said for picking up new hobbies and that can like help you in your career in other ways. But I think it also helps like picking up a new hobby you know, like you talked about not that learning a language is a hobby, but about like forcing yourself to learn a new language. Like I think it's really useful to be a beginner at things and like yeah. have that like beginner mindset and not like because it's so easy to when the the further on in your career and the more successful you get, you're like, I'm good at everything and and you're comfortable. But it's like it's really uncomfortable to be bad at something and to be a beginner and to be new. And that can help you know, yeah. spur the creative creative muscle. I think the other thing, though, is. That does sound daunting. So, yeah, doing the, like, the small stuff sounds a lot easier. And I have noticed, you know, it can be as little as just, like, noticing stuff. And, mm-hmm. and you know, raising a, a new little human, I'm, like, explaining the world to him. And so I'm noticing a lot more, like, look at the moon, look at the clouds, look at this, look at that. And it's like, oh, I'm noticing the world around me a lot more rather than just, like, getting to work, you know. <laughs> forced mindfulness. Yeah, Parenting yeah. Parenting equals forced mindfulness. Kind of, yeah. 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 yeah, I think another thing that I like to do as well and um, something that I feel like I need to do more of is – I think, you know, we have certain things. It's just to read things that are really unfamiliar. Like, Mm -hmm. that helps me with story ideas of things that are unrelated. It's like sometimes it's actually good to read something that has nothing to do with what you're covering or what you're learning. Because if you just read the same thing every day, then you're not going to get new ideas because you're exposed to the same thing. It's like getting out of your bubble, too. Like, you know, not just listening to the types of music you like and reading the the news sources that you that you agree with and you know all of that it's like yeah getting out of your bubble and like looking at things differently too but i'm gonna start with like i say putting milk in <laughs> before my coffee that's like the most doable yeah, yeah. I'm, i'll be interested to, to see what your, <laughs> your story pitches are after that and that's it for this week's episode of secrets of the most productive people what does your creative process look like is it productive unproductive frustrating let us know using the hashtag FCMostProductive. And join us in two weeks when we'll be talking about myths about introverts and extroverts. Do you have to be one or the other? How do you know which one you are? And in the meantime, you can find more creativity-related articles in the show notes for this episode and the three quick tips that we mentioned in the You Might Want to Write This Down segment. And you can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Don't forget to listen to our other podcast, Creative Conversation.